Convict us of sin. Draw us to Yourself. See You as beautiful and wonderful. Lord, that You would stir our affections for You. That beyond what we could comprehend and beyond what we could know, we would recognize that You are great beyond compare. And so, Lord, for those who are new, I pray, Lord, that You give them a sense and an openness to You that they too might sing of Your greatness. And Lord, that those who've been here for a while who need the encouragement, I pray that You would just simply let them know that You're with them through the dark time. Lord, for the families that are struggling, and really this is the last house on the block before divorce, I pray, Lord, that You would touch their souls right now, drawing them to joy in Christ Jesus. Lord, for the person who's here and is suffering in silence, nobody knows they're hurt. They just feel so alone, so unheard and so unloved. Lord, we pray for your comfort, the kind of comfort that only you can bring. Lord, this is no time for boys. Don't send angels. Come yourself. Touch every heart. Touch every mind. We cannot go on without you. So Lord, would you help us to focus, to see, to wonder, to be in awe of you and who you are. Stir us up for you. Remind us that you love us and are with us. Help us, oh God, to seek you like never before. For we pray in Jesus' name, Amen and amen. No eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind can know what God has in store. Open up, open it wide over our church and over our Holy Spirit, rain down. Yes. Yes, Lord. That's our prayer. That's our prayer. That's our prayer. I thought I was in great shape. I can literally run a half a marathon in the drop of a hat. I bike ride everywhere I go rather than taking the car. I walk everywhere. I don't eat chocolate or ice cream. I went to the doctor, and the doctor said, you have high cholesterol. (laughs) you believe that? I was floored by it. Like, nobody was more indignant than I was. I, I, I listened to the doctor, and I said, he must be crazy. But there he had, he had the blood work, he had the proof, he was showing me that I had high cholesterol. So of course, I did what any healthy American young man would do, I blamed my wife's cooking. And so, I said, it must be her cooking. She's poisoning me slowly. It must be all the money you're paying me that she wants the big mother load. Uh, But you know, when you get confronted by truth, it sometimes is uncomfortable and you don't know how to react to it and you're not sure how to respond 
to real truth. Well, I think that's also true when we come to the scriptures. I think that there's a time where God, the Holy Spirit, comes in and says, everything that you think you know about me is wrong. Everything that you think you know about my relationship with you and your relationship with me is wrong. And you go, it can't be. I go to church. Look at me. I, I, I'm spiritually healthy. I read my Bible. I, I, I tithe and I offer. I, I, I give my finances. I'm a member of the recovery house of worship. And the Holy Spirit just lifts up the scriptures and goes, but look, look at the report. It's in moments like that where we have to either do one of two things. Blame something else. Blame God. Blame the church that you attend. Blame, blame your upbringing or your culture. Or, as you're confronted with it, the news. You can submit to the truthfulness of it, submit unto the authority of the direction, and be transformed afresh. We're in a brand new series called Ghost. The reason it's called ghost is because we're talking about the Holy Spirit, who's not necessarily a ghost in the way you would think. But in the old King James, he was called the Holy. Anybody remember? The Holy Ghost. It was what he was called. So the Holy Spirit is God, God himself, who comes to live inside the believer of Jesus Christ. To bring comfort, to bring strength, to bring conviction, to bring encouragement, to help overcome sin, to transform the life, to make you look more like Jesus. In the end, that's the Holy Spirit's job, is to make you look more like Jesus. So the Holy Spirit has come to those who believe in Christ. Jesus has sent him. Today we're going to look at a passage and see what the purpose of the Holy Spirit is, but not what the Holy Spirit's purpose is in your life, but what the purpose of the Holy Spirit is to the world. It's interesting. The Holy Spirit is almost everywhere spoken about in terms of purpose, about what his purpose is within the ch corporate church, within the individual believer's life. But now we're going to see how the Holy Spirit, and listen to me, the prognosis is grim. When the Holy Spirit tells you the truth, it's going to be difficult to swallow. But if you would just humble yourself and let the divine physician diagnose and direct your soul, you'll be better than when you came in. But you got to stick with it. Now, one of the traditions that we have, and we don't have a whole lot, is that we stand at the reading of God's Word. The, the reason is, is because God's word is, we're, we're saying, God, your word brings us to attention. Your word is higher than my opinions. We're submitting to your word. So go with me to God's word in John chapter 16 and hear the prognosis. It's grim. But now... John 16, 5 through 11. But now I am going to him who sent me. This is Jesus speaking. None of you asks me, where are you going? Rather, you are filled with grief. I have said these things. You have filled with grief because I have said these things. But very truly, I tell you, it is for your good that I am going away. Unless I go away, 
The advocate will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. Everybody read verse 8 and on with me. One, two, three. When he comes, he will prove the world to be in the wrong about sin and righteousness and judgment. About sin because people don't believe in me. About righteousness because I'm going to the Father where you can see me no longer. And about judgment because the prince of this world now stands condemned. This is God's holy word. And God's people said, Amen. Amen. So the Holy Spirit, Jesus is talking to us about the Holy Spirit. In chapter 15, Jesus is telling his disciples, hey, listen, I'm leaving. I'm not going to be with you, not like this. And they're distraught and discouraged. They don't know what to do. They feel uh, hurt that Jesus is going to leave. They say, well, how else is the world going to know your message? How else are we going to carry this mission that you're giving us? How else are we going to go on through the day in and day out of life? How else are we going to do it? And Jesus says, I'm going to send someone. I'm going to send the Holy Spirit. And I'll live in you by the Holy Spirit. And He will bring conviction and direction. And so when we jump to verse 8, we see, we catch up with Jesus. And he says, when he comes, that's the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is a he, not a force, not an it. The Holy Spirit is a he. He's a person. The third person of the Trinity. You go, oh man, I don't get the Trinity. It's okay, join the club. Nobody really does. It's a, it's a very complex uh, thing. He's, God is three in one. That's an amazing statement. That's a breathtaking statement. Because I'm like one in one, Right? Like, my ratio to who I am is like one in one, right? I, I am one, by, one person, and, you know, I am presently Edwin Colon in this person, right? And the Holy uh, God in heaven is Father, Son, Holy Spirit. So God himself is going to reside in those. Jesus is saying, I'm going to send the Holy Spirit to live in you. When he comes, he, the Holy Spirit, will prove the world to be in the wrong. And that's where all sorts of chaos breaks out. Because you say to yourself, but you don't understand. I grew up Catholic. Or you don't understand. I grew up Baptist. Or you don't understand. My mother taught me. And the Holy Spirit has come to tell you you're wrong. Everything you learned about God, you're wrong. Everything that you've ever heard, you're wrong. You're kidding. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No way. Yeah. You mean what your mom told you? Mm-hmm. What you learned by your sweet grandmother who used to sit uh, next to her during the Mass? Yeah, mm-hmm, you're wrong. You mean, you mean the, the, yeah, you're wrong. To which we have an opportunity to either rebel or submit. My prayer is that throughout this sermon that you would give me your undivided attention for the next few minutes because the next few minutes are, might, might be the most vital, they might be the most vital minutes of your entire existence. It's right relationship with God is what we're talking about. And those of you who are 
just kind of visiting, not sure your relationship with God. Maybe you've been coming around, kicking the Christian tires, not sure about this Jesus thing, but you've been coming because the girl at the office invited you, and you said, well, she's kind of cute, and if I show, uh, you know, if I show up, maybe, you know, she'll, t- you know, uh, take me to somewhere other than her uh, church, and, and you're here for that reason. It's cool. I don't mind. Or perhaps, you know, it's like the Puerto Rican Day Parade, and you were on your way, you know, and everything was blocked off, and you said, all right, might as well chill out in an air-conditioned room for the next hour. I get it. I get it. I'm cool with that. I don't care why you're here. I'm just glad you're here. Here's my point. Here's my point. You're wrong. You're wrong. And sometimes we need that confrontation. But it's painful. It's painful. Perhaps some of you know what it's like to have your eyes opened in a moment. Maybe you were part of an addicted group of people who were using, and you had a loving group of people in your life say, you're wrong. You have a problem. And they loved you enough to, to make you pause and say, you have a problem. You need help. And you were like, it's not that bad until your kid comes up and says, remember when you left me freezing in the car for three hours? Remember when you, you know, and then your mom says, remember when you said you were going to be at the funeral and you came drunk and you remember when, you know, you remember when, you remember, you know, and it doesn't have to be just drunk, right? Do you remember when, you know, you made yourself sick so that you wouldn't gain another pound, right? Because you gorged and then you purged or, or you remember when you got all stressed out about your credit cards because every time you wanted to feel good, it, it sounded like cha-ching and you had to buy some something at a store, or remember when, you know, you, been, uh, you were, you were uh, on the website and your kid, and your kid walked in and saw things that they shouldn't see. You remember? You're out of control. You're wrong. And so we've all had experiences where that is startling and, 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 and it's shocking and we don't know what to do. And the first thing is to feel shame and close in and feel bad. And we're saying, no, don't do that. We want to hear not only the prognosis, but we want to hear the direction. And so God is going to give us the direction through Christ and his word. It's going to be, it's all right. Sometimes, sometimes going to a physician is painful. Anybody say amen? Amen. 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 Sometimes it hurts, right? Right? But, so we're going to hear the great physician give us a prognosis. But I'm telling you, this is, this is not about time. This is not about what you're hearing. This is about eternity. So perk up your ears. It's a big deal. When he comes, the Holy Spirit, he, the Holy Spirit, will prove the world to be in the wrong. Will prove the person sitting in your seat to be in the wrong. You go, how? About sin and righteousness and judgment. Now those are not popular, very often spoken about words. Nobody likes the word sin. Some people, matter of fact, righteousness, the only time I ever hear righteousness is in a negative connotation with self in front of it. And then judgment. Who talks about judgment? But we're going to do that today, so tune in. So he says about sin, judgment. So here it is. Are you ready? We're going to try to make this plain, and we're going to make it as like plain as possible. How are we going to do this? Okay, here we go. So the first thing that the Holy Spirit wants to talk to you about is sin. He wants to talk about your sin. The stuff that you do that's not okay. The stuff that you think is okay because you can... Isn't it interesting how easily we can excuse our own sin? It's interesting to me. I don't know. Are you, the, are you like this? When I sin, I have all sorts of excuses and reasons 
for why I sin and you don't understand. But if you only understood, then you would understand why I sin. But if you sin against me, I'm like, I got no excuses for you, right? I've run out of excuses. You are just evil and wrong and hell bound and you are in a lot of trouble, right? Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But your sin. Your sin. So now, here's the thing. We think, you and I do, we think that our sin is just the stuff we do. And it's got to be really bad. Really bad. Like enough that our conscience, that our conscience is, is, is smite, smitten by it. But sin is much more profound than that. Sin is not just the stuff that you do. Listen, sin is not just the uh, cursing at someone or stealing something that doesn't belong to you or being disrespectful to your parents or, or lying to get ahead. No, no, no. Sin is greater than that because in the end, the Holy Spirit doesn't just come to convict you of your sins, the things that you do over and over again. What is it? Click on this. Uh, lie to that. Um, uh, manipulate a situation here. No, no, no. It's the sin. Singular. What's the sin? The sin is in trying, is you trying to self-save. Every one of us is looking for a savior. And so you could be the person who's been in this room for 50 years. But when, listen, when you get to trouble, when you have an argument with your wife, when you have pressure at the job, when you have difficulty and strife with friends, when, when the kids are acting up, the way you spell relief is not J-E-S-U-S. The way you spell relief is, well, it's the way you spell relief. Some of us, what do we do? We scream and rant and rave because we are in control and we want to intimidate everybody to submission. You rather than running to Jesus because you're out of control, you run to your rage because you figure that you could save yourself from feeling out of control. Any rageaholics in the house? Perhaps when you feel the pressure of your sin, feel the pressure, how do you spell relief? Maybe you're not explosive. Maybe you're just internally quiet. You give the cold shoulder. Oh, I'll teach them. I won't talk to her for days. You're seeking to save yourself. It's an effort that you go to. So what do you do? You move to something other than Jesus. What about the sin after the sin? So you blow it and you feel shame. And rather than running to Jesus, who's paid for your shame, what you do is you run to excuses. You go, well, I wouldn't have done it if she wouldn't have acted that way. Well, I wouldn't have done it if, if he wouldn't have pushed my buttons. Well, I wouldn't have done it. I would not have done it if, in fact, you fill in the blank. You see, your sin is what you, what is your savior? What is it? Is it if you could just keep the boyfriend or girlfriend? What's your savior? What makes you 
happy. You know, I'll, you know when I'll be happy? I'll be happy when I make a lot of money. So you, so you spend all of your time making all this money, ignoring your soul. You're in sin. The Holy Spirit is here to convict you about that. The Holy Spirit comes to convict you of your sin. You're wrong. It's not just when your conscience lights up and says, I've done something bad. Sin is when you run to anything other than Jesus for your identity, for your beauty, for your satisfaction. The Holy Spirit comes to convict you of sin. Now, everyone who's ever... Now, this is important for believers and non-believers alike. So if you're here and you're hearing, and we, we have a podcast that kind of actually gets listened to all over the world. I'm not kidding. Um, people from all over the world tune into our podcast. It's kind of cool when you think about the, the influence that, that entails. So for, for those of you who are listening to me in the car, for those of you who are here sitting down and listening, I, I want to ask you, what is your sin? What is the thing that you go to other than Jesus? What is the thing that you look to other than Christ to save you? It's your sin. But the Holy Spirit doesn't come just to tell you you're wrong about your sin, but to tell you you're wrong about your righteousness. The Bible says that our good works are good works. You know, like in Thanksgiving when you feed the homeless, right? You know, like when you cross the little old lady across the street? Yeah, yeah. They're, listen, your good works. Christians learn that not only do they have to repent for their sin, they have to repent for their righteousness, for their good deeds. You go, oh gosh, now you lost me. I don't know what you just said. Well, the Bible says that your good works are like filthy rags. See, what happens is if you're anything like me, and maybe some of you are and some of you aren't, but rather than run to Jesus, I want to prove to myself that I'm a good person. I'm a good person. You know how I know? I'm not cheating on my wife. You see, that's filthy rags. That doesn't make you a good person. Oh, I'm a good person because I'm faithful to God. I, I serve the poor. And I give to the church. I'm a good person because I read the Bible and because I go and I pray every day. Listen to me. Filthy rags. If there's any other answer other than Christ, when you ask yourself, why would God ever have anything to do with you? If you have an answer other than Christ, you are living, you are wrong about righteousness. See, the Spirit comes to convict you of your righteousness because you don't have it in you. You cannot pay for your own sin, nor can you be good enough to get into the grace of God. The Holy Spirit comes to let you know that only in Christ is your righteousness found. So that when you walk through life and you do good things, feed the homeless. You feel good because by feeding the homeless, you've gotten nowhere closer to Christ. By giving to the hungry, you've gotten nowhere closer to Christ. His love is both unconditional and powerful. 
and enough. His righteousness, it's his imputed righteousness on you and me. That means my righteousness doesn't go any higher when I do the right thing, and it doesn't go any lower when I do the wrong thing. Because it is Christ's righteousness. This is amazing. When we realize, this is why Christians are so amped up about Jesus. And so, okay, are you seeing what's happening here? I'm, I'm trying to speak to two different people. I'm trying to speak to those of you who are Christ followers, who are going to Christ, for, who have been living in Christ for a while, and, and you're, what I'm trying to do is I'm helping you to look back to how Jesus saved you. To be reminded. Because the first thing that will happen is he'll convict you of sin. He'll say, you were wrong. The second thing he'll do is convict you of righteousness. No, 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 no. The things that you do to try to get right with God, no, they don't work. Only Jesus. Only Jesus. And I'm also speaking to another group of people, not only those who have to reflect back on all that Christ has done, but those of you who have just been coming around and you're saying, I don't know if I'm in Christ. I don't know. Well, I'm saying the first thing that's going to happen is that he's going to convict you of sin. All the excuses stop. Then he'll convict you of righteousness, that you don't find righteousness by what you do. You find righteousness by what Christ has done. I remember when this hit me so hard. I was going to church for a while. I had been reading the Bible and even reading Christian books. And I was alone in my bath and it hit me. The one thing that I thought I could never be forgiven for. Do you have one of those? Do you have one of those things that, you, that you've done that you're not sharing with anybody? Like if I give you this mic, you won't share it. Like if I, go, if I put a gun to your head and I said, confess that deep, dark secret, you go, pull the trigger. This one's going to the grave with me. Do you have one of those? God brought to my attention one of those. Now, the only reason, honestly, I feel no problem um, confessing it to you, but the, the only reason I won't confess it to you is because some of you will say, some of you will be on one, one side of the fence, and you'll say, wow, that was really, really horrible. And you'll be like aghast. <gasps> and then some of you will go, that wasn't that bad. You should have seen what I did. And, you know. <clears throat> I wonder what side that's, uh, the street you're on, right? So I'm not going to tell you, but you have yours and I have mine, and that's enough to know. You know the thing. And some of us, the, the, the thing that we're most ashamed about is not something that we've done, but something, a sin that was done to us. And, and, we, and we try to gain our righteousness by being good, going to church, being better, doing nice things. And Jesus is going, that is damnable. It's not the way you get righteousness. The way you get righteousness is through what Christ has done on the cross. So it hit me like a ton of bricks. I was there, and God reminded me of my sin, the sin that I thought I could never be forgiven for. He convicts the world, proves the wrong world wrong about sin. He convicted me about that. And then God spoke in a holy moment. God spoke over my life one word, and I never got over it. He just said, forgiven 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 I remember being under the shower and him saying forgiven 
hearing him say, forgiven. And you go, really? You heard God? What does God sound like? Authoritative. He sounds powerful. He sounds like what he says is true. And he said, forgiven. Over and over again. But the Holy Spirit comes to convict the world of their sin. No, you mustn't go to save yourself. Even the acceptable things that you do to save yourself. And we go through extremes to save ourselves. Let me be, let me be controversial for a second. I was reading about Bruce Jenner. Um, yeah, I'm going to speak about that. Oh, dear. So I was, I was um, reading about Bruce Jenner's um, transition to um, Caitlin, I think his name is now. And so I was reading it, and I was just, I, I started to get emotional for him. Because I'm just like him. I'm just like him. In the article, if you read the article, he was like, you know what it was? My whole life, my whole life, I've been stuck in a prison. But now, I'm saved. He didn't use that word. He said, I'm free. Now I can be happy. See, the Holy Spirit comes to say, wrong! Wrong! You won't be happy when you get married. You'll just be now married and unhappy. You won't be happy when you get divorced. You'll just be divorced and unhappy. You won't be happy when you get the physique that you want. You'll just be unhappy in shape. You won't be happy when you have the ice cream. You'll just be fatter and unhappy. Because it's not what you do. You cannot save yourself. Another pair of shoes, another clothes, closing another deal. Nothing can save you. Nothing can change you. Only Jesus can change you from sin to sin. Only Jesus can transform you. He's come to prove you wrong. Sin. Righteousness. And judgment. Because the Holy Spirit has come to convict you of sin and of righteousness. Judgment has such a negative connotation, doesn't it? In fact, the only time I hear the word judge at all is if I'm standing before one. Thank you very much. You don't even want to know. If I'm standing before one, or if someone says, anybody know what they say? Don't judge me. Or they say this, only God can judge me. I cringe when people say that because I actually know what that means. You have no idea. See, here's the thing. God has already judged you. Now again, I'm speaking to two different people. Remember how I said I'm speaking to both those who are not sure that Christ is Savior and Lord and those who are in Christ for a long time. You are judged already and it judged. The God who has seen every motivation, you know the things that you 
did that were good on the outside, but really you were doing for selfish motives? You know those horrible things that you did that nobody else knows about, but God knows about? You're judged. This is the good news for the Christian. Now, let me just talk about the non-Christian. Non-Christian, oh my. Oh my. You know, sin is a permanent thing. It is. You can't erase sin. It's like, it's like saying words that you can't take back. Right? You tell your wife that she's ugly. And no amount, no amount of you look lovely will ever erase that one ugly. Sin is like that. It's permanent. And so no amount of your self-saving back to righteousness, no amount of your self-saving will ever get rid of your sin. And so if you don't know Christ, if you're not in Christ, the Holy Spirit is telling you, you're judged and it doesn't look good. You have to pay. You go, but you don't understand. Look at all the good things that I've done. Listen to me. If you murder my daughter, I don't care how many other people's daughters you save. You gots to go to jail. Go ahead and save a whole busload of other people's daughters. You murder my daughter, there's it's powerful. Sin is powerful like that. And so for those of you who don't know Christ, and you say to yourself, well, I don't believe that. I don't believe it. This is, the, this is why I don't go to church. You know, the reason that I don't go to church is for this very reason. You guys are always trying to make people feel guilty. You guys are always trying to make people feel ashamed. You guys are always trying to make people feel bad about what they've done. Listen to the rest of the sermon. We're not done. If you're not in Christ, you are judged already. And it looks real, real bad. But if you're in Christ, the fact that you're judged already makes you want to jump up and shout. The, the fact that you're... Because watch this, watch this. All of your sins have been judged. And you've been judged guilty. And the death penalty has been served. And then Jesus has walked in and said, I'll take the penalty. I'll take the penalty. Watch this. So, <clears throat> so the judge also becomes the convict. For the Christian, the judge and so why does that bring us so much joy? Why do we freak out over that? So that when we, listen, so when Satan comes and goes, and, and listen, our Facebook friends find us, and they say, oh man, do you remember when you did, and, you, and they say something embarrassing? I go, listen, it was worse than that. But I have been washed clean, cleaner than most. I don't walk around in my sin or with filthy rags, but I have been judged in Christ, and now I'm seen as spotless and perfect and wonderful. Amen. Years ago, uh, when I would play with my daughters, I couldn't do this with my son because I was like too, I don't know, Puerto Rican, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> Guys, have you ever done this? Like you go to play in the park with your son, and then you see one kid like push him, and you want to tell him, go, go get your father. Go get your father. I'm going to show you what a pushing looks like. I mean, was that ever you? That was me. It was bad. I'm not saying it was good. I'm saying it was bad, right? Funny, but bad, right? <laughs> and then God forbid they didn't have a, a father. I said, I don't care. Bring your mother. <laughs> it's on now. She should have taught you better. No, I'm kidding. I didn't do that. But, 
No, but it's rough. But with my daughters, it was a different thing. I don't know. Maybe I'm a chauvinist. I don't know. But, but that was just the way it was. And it's my culture, so, you know, deal with me. So, um, so I would play with my kids. And here's what would happen every time, every time, every time. My kids are here. You can ask them. We would start playing and having fun together and enjoying each other. And then inevitably, one child would see us play. Can I play? Well, on the basis of the fact that I am playing with my children, I will be also glad to play with you. And we would run around, and then another, and another, and pretty soon, almost every time, every kid in the park that was old enough to play would be in our circle and experiencing the joy that my children had felt. It's like that in Christianity. Jesus. Jesus has paid your debt. Jesus has done. And it's like Jesus and the Father are playing, uh, um, having fun and rejoicing in one another. And Jesus goes, he doesn't wait for you to come along. He goes, you, come here. We're going to play. You, come here. It's time to have some fun. You, we're going to rejoice together. Get off the bench. And we start to enjoy this beautiful, sacred romance where we laugh and giggle. And other people go, yeah, but you run like a, like a duck. <laughs> and I know, I know, I know, but he still chases me. And he still pretends that he can't catch me in a second. And it's so much fun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But you know, you know, he's, he's not, he's not, where, where's your father? Where's your father? I don't know, but this guy's a pretty good substitute. <laughs> this is wonderful. Because the Holy Spirit comes to prove you wrong about your judgment. God doesn't see you. He's not mad at you. I'm talking to Christians now. If you're not a Christian, he's pretty, he's pretty upset. <laughs> Isn't that good news? Yes. Comes to convict you of your sin. You run to everything but Jesus to be made felt well. You're wrong. Only Jesus. Only Jesus can save you. That girlfriend can't save you. That extra raise can't save you. And then you try to create your own righteousness. No, it's like filthy rags. But and then you feel terrible. And Jesus says, I took the punishment. That's what the Holy Spirit comes to do. So what do we do with that? Here's what we do. One, if you're not in Christ, have you heard better news than that? Like, if you don't know Jesus, why would you? Are you too good for that? Like, is that, like, are you, I mean, is that something that's like, nah, you know, I don't want to be truthful with where I am. I don't want to, I don't, I don't want to actually uh, be truthful about where I am with my wrongdoing. I'm just going to live in fantasy world telling myself that I'm good. And righteousness, nah, 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 I want to continue. I want to continue to uh, uh, find uh, my own righteousness. I'll put my, I pull myself up by my own moral bootstraps. Judgment. Hey, listen, if God is going to judge me wrong, then I guess that's the way it's going to be. Really? 
Really? Come on. Right now, the Holy Spirit is doing this work. Right now, what we're talking about, the Holy Spirit has come to prove you wrong about sin, about righteousness, about judgment. Right now, the Holy Spirit is doing it in your life, and you're fighting. And you're saying, no, I don't want to have anything to do. No, I won't do it. Because you go, well, what, is this, what will this mean? Listen to me. It'll mean that you're in deep relationship. You get to play on the playground with the Father of the universe. Yes. Don't say no to that. Don't say no to that. You go, but I'm not good enough. Don't, didn't, didn't you just hear what we said? You go, but you don't know what I've done. Didn't you just hear what we said? Or maybe you're not in the low self-esteem category. Maybe you're in the high self-esteem. Oh, I, I, I'm glad that you're preaching this because everybody else in this room needs to hear this. Everybody else on this podcast needs to hear this. But I, I, I don't need to hear this because, you know, I'm pretty good myself. No, 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 no. No, no, you need it. You need it. Remember, your righteousness. Your righteousness. You have to repent of your righteousness. One of the things that we can do, if you're in Christ, you can simply go to Christ and say, God, would you remind me? Hey, go through your life. You think that you're in Christ? Reflect and say, has there been a conviction of sin? Has there been an addressing of righteousness? And has there been a joyful reminder of judgment that it's already been done to Christ? Has that happened to you? Has that clicked in your mind? If it hasn't, you're not a Christian could be here for 10 years, I know. But if it has, rejoice. Celebrate. Yay. But if you're here and you go, you know what, I, don't, I haven't heard the gospel like this. I didn't know that this is what the Holy Spirit does. Oh, I'm telling you. Holy Spirit has come. He's come for you. He's not satisfied without you. He loves you. He's pursuing you. He can't be stopped. You can't talk him out of it. He loves you. Won't you say yes to him? So in about a minute and a half, listen to me. So, all right, just very briefly, if you're in Christ, remember the two minutes that we talked about last week to be reminded about how God is with you? I want you to spend two minutes every day this week to just be reminded, oh, wait, sin, righteousness, judgment. And whenever sin comes into play, you run to Jesus. Don't run to your self-righteousness. You run to Jesus. And then when judgment and shame comes in, you go, I know. When, when Satan goes, that was really bad, you can go, I know. Really, really bad. And Jesus has saved me. Jesus has done it. If you're in Christ, take two minutes every day to be reminded about that. It's an amazing thing. It'll make you worship. It'll make you dance. Your shame and mourning will be turned to rejoicing and laughter. It's, it's the way of the Christian. It's the way of the Christ follower. But if you don't, if you don't know Jesus, if God has never convicted you, maybe you're here, then maybe, maybe you just need to say yes to him. So in about two minutes, what I'm going to ask you to do is a simple thing. In acknowledgement, if you've never done this before, I'm not talking to those of you who have, who know Christ and, you know, maybe you've, you've, straight away for a little bit, but you know Christ, oh, you see it in your past, but you've been sort of disobedient in the past, but now you're making a recommitment to, to pursuing Christ. For those of you who are here like that, I just celebrate you, and I want you to just do your business with God and let him convict you of sin afresh and the, the foolishness of your righteousness and, the, and rejoice in the judgment.
that Christ has already taken. Okay. Those of you who have never come to Christ. And when I say come to Christ, what I mean is acknowledge that, yeah, yeah, you, you seek some things other than Jesus for your pleasure. Righteousness. You're not going to be satisfied with the good person thing. And then judgment. You're going you're to say, Jesus, because you took the judgment from me, I'm overjoyed and will follow you. If that's never been your story, if you've never experienced that interaction with Jesus, I'm, in a minute and a half, I'm going to ask you to stand. The reason I'm going to ask you to stand is to acknowledge that one moment in time where you're like, yeah, God, it's all about you. Now, everything inside of you is saying, no, I'm not going to do that. No way. You can't make me do that. You don't know who I am. I'm not going to do that. And I get that. I know. It's embarrassment. It's like, you know. But think about it. Isn't that just more sin? Saying to God that your, your reputation is more important than who he is? It's silly. Don't do that. Come to Jesus. The Holy Spirit has been knocking on your door. You're not here by mistake. You think you came? For whatever reason you think you came? You're not here by mistake. In 45 seconds, I'm going to ask you to stand. And you might be the only one standing, saying, you know what? And this is what you're saying. I, I didn't know Jesus before, but I know Jesus now. I want to know Jesus more. Maybe that's you. It's going to happen in about 20 seconds. Everything's going to change. It's going to be awesome. about 10 seconds. Don't, don't argue with God. Because like, you're arguing in your head. You're not arguing with me. You're arguing with the Holy Spirit. Don't argue with the Holy Spirit. Say yes to Jesus. Now those of you, if you've ever stood before, don't stand again. Talk to me afterwards. We'll talk about it.